Hello, I'm George Abernathy, the proud president of FreightWaves. Welcome to the Net Zero Carbon Summit, virtual summit presented by FreightWaves. I'm really thrilled for our keynote today to have one of the industry leaders, an industry leader who has been really at the forefront of finding technology that has been impacting positively our industry for a couple of decades, my good friend, Craig Harper, who's the Chief Sustainability Officer and EVP at J.B. Hunt. Craig, it is a genuine pleasure to do this today. Thank you. Uh, it's always good to see you, George. Look forward to our conversation today. So let's kick it right off. Um, you have been at the forefront of technologies. You have looked at in your position at J.B. Hunt over the years at a, a number of the evolving technologies. And so when it comes to reducing carbon emissions, J.B. Hunt in a leadership role in the industry itself in general has been looking at fuel efficiency and route optimization in the last few decades already, correct? Yeah, you know, we're very fortunate here at J.B. Hunt to be in the intermodal space. You know, we've been in that now for 30 plus years and you've got to really look there first. I mean, when you can uh, eliminate your carbon emissions by 50% by placing the freight on the train instead of running it over the road, you've got to look there first. And obviously that's a place that we've really expanded on. Um, you know, we just announced last week, we'll actually net up 12,000 uh, containers this year, putting us over 110,000 containers and obviously uh, corresponding chassis that we need to operate that business and the tractors that go with it and the drivers and the, the dray operations. So intermodal is, uh, needs to be on everybody's mind. And we would challenge uh, everybody in this space, in the supply chain industry, to look at the freight and be sure that every single load that can go intermodal is, is uh, traveling that way. You know, because when we look at the freight from the, the bid activity that we see coming in and all, we believe there's an additional 7 to 11 million loads currently that, that fit the, the scenario of pricing, length of haul, the, the time that could really go intermodal. So, that's one uh, area that I'd really challenge, challenge all the, the listeners and attendees to take a good look at that intermodal freight. So well said, and congratulations for the continued growth and what an evolution from, as you and I talked about my time at J.B. Hunts many decades ago, to see that intermodal has become such a dominant play for J.B. Hunt and the positive impact that that has and will continue to have on the environment. So let's let's think about what is driving the trucking and logistics industry, maybe the entire supply chain. What's the primary driver that's causing you think this this focus now on the decarbonization and these net zero goals of the, you know, this core environmental, social and corporate, the ESG planning. What's that what's the primary driver behind it? Well, you know, with so much talk uh, today about climate change and all, we're, we're going to be brought into that conversation pretty quickly because the transportation and logistics space contributes about 30% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. So when you start looking at our industry, we need to look for those, those efficiencies that we can have. And we talked about intermodal, and you did mention route optimization earlier, and we use J.B. Hunt 360 for that. Um, you know, we're, we're proud to say that last year, even on our own equipment, uh, we were able to 
eliminate over is 4.3 million miles by uh, effectively using JB Hunt 360. So again, using that, being able to see the, the loads and uh, having that transparency of the loads and where the equipment is and so that we can better utilize the, the trucks, the trailers and the drivers. And you know that's a platform that uh, the various carriers are utilizing and they're seeing uh, similar benefits as well. So now the question uh, directly was about uh, what's really driving this. And we hit on about the, you know, how much greenhouse gas emissions that we contribute as an industry. And then with uh, the ESG talk that you're seeing from coming from all angles, we see it coming from uh, the investors. Uh, investors want to know that you're looking at the different climate scenarios and that you, you have plans to address those, those risks. Also, we're, we're seeing it from customers because customers are getting asked by their customers, what are you doing about the greenhouse gas footprint? And an important thing for everybody to understand is um, you, you divide up your greenhouse gas emissions into to three different scopes. Scope one is uh, what's generated by your own equipment. And then scope two is your electricity. And scope three is the indirect emissions. And so that's where the customers are looking at all of us in the supply chain to say, what can you do to help us reduce those scope three emissions. So that's that's driving a big part of this. And then you also have uh, all the vendors and suppliers that are wanting to know, you know, what can you do to help them on, with their emissions? And then employees. Employees want to know that they work at a company that really does have uh, true concern about, about the climate. And then also the communities in, in which we, we live. They're, they're wanting to know what's, uh, what do you, doing to be a better steward of the environment in which you operate. And with the communities, you know, we really saw uh, that come to the forefront this, this past year with the, the pandemic, you know, and um, I couldn't be more proud of our industry when you saw, you know, so much of the country literally shut down, but the drivers, they were still out there. The drivers, the mechanics, the frontline workers, truck stop operators. And that's where I think our industry really stepped up and demonstrated how important we are to our local communities. I know people were glad to see those trucks rolling in, continuing to deliver the, the food, the water, and the medical supplies. We at FreightWaves try very hard to make sure whenever we're talking to an industry leader um, like you, to make sure that our thanks to the drivers who kept our economy alive. Uh, and your point is so well taken that um, in the world of first responders, we tend not to always think as much about how much that the economy was going to be impacted if the drivers weren't uh, there to, to keep those wheels moving in. Doing such a great job of, of shifting away from some of those things that weren't shifting or weren't shipping during the pandemic and over to those things that suddenly needed um, to be to be shipped. So let me let me um, uh, paint a picture, Craig. Um, if I'm a shipper and I've got these ESG desires, I'm getting some of those um, external pressures from the community and the investors that you're talking about. What what should I do? Is my first step to build this ESG roadmap or to to try to to get there and you know, I want to reduce greenhouse. I want to do all those things, but 
what should my first step be if I'm if I really not ever put any thought to it before? Yeah, first off, take an inventory of where you are. You know, what processes uh, do you have in place? What, what actions are you taking? Uh, what policies do you have in place? Uh, what about I investments? And uh, lean on these reporting agencies and the, uh, the uh, rating agencies because the, the things that they're asking you to report on, uh, they will open up your eyes. And you'll see areas where you're very strong and you'll see areas uh, where you, you need to improve. And then own your own story. You know, be sure that you tell the story, because if you leave it up to others, uh, sometimes they may not get it exactly right. And so when you look at these agencies and you look at the work that you're doing there and you you set out to improve those, be patient. Understand that this is, this is a journey. It's not going to change overnight, but you can see improvements as you go along. And then talk to others in the industry, you know, lean on trade groups and organizations, and uh, you'll, you'll get a path laid out of how you can uh, really improve in this area. And, and one that you're, uh, all the groups that we talked about before will be pleased to see that the work that you're accomplishing, such as your, again, your investors and your employees and the communities and all your vendors. As I think about, your career you have you have spec'd out so many different types of trucks you you know what it takes to, to move and to turn those wheels and the shift to intermodal such a dramatic uh, impact that that the jb hunt has had but hunt has also been you've been at the forefront of clean fuel and energy initiatives for a long time you've got a number of partnerships that that you've worked on or are working on um, bio blends, electric, the, the natural gas options. Do you, you know, if there's any crystal ball, I'd, I'd be interested in, in, in having, it, it would be the Craig Harper in this area. Do you see someone winning out? Uh, and I'm not trying to influence the markets at all, but do you see where a particular technology is likely to win in the lead? Or do you think 10 years from now we'll see a blend of those alternatives as part of the market. You know, this is an exciting part of the business right now. You're seeing so many different technologies come about and, you know, focusing on battery electric, uh, the hydrogen fuel cell and, and natural gas and how are all these going to fit together and um, what is going to be the, the lead technology. And, and right now, I think we'd all have to say that battery, battery electric has the momentum. I mean, every OEM from the automobile manufacturers to trucks manufacturers are chasing this technology and, and they're, they're making substantial progress in that area. And then I think you will see um, hydrogen electric really uh, be talked about more in the, the next few years. And um, it's, it's trailing battery electric, but it, it is out there and it offers great promise. I mean, when you can take uh, an element, the, and remember, it's the most plentiful element on earth, and take that element and combine it with oxygen and provide the electricity needed to, to, to fuel, to power the truck and have water as a byproduct. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So I think we need to continue to, to, to look at that hydrogen technology. 
And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, which one uh, does win out. But it's, uh, we've got a long ways to go because all of these have to prove that they've got a total cost of ownership that's comparable to, to diesel. And when I'm talking about total cost of ownership, I'm talking about the, the price of the, the vehicle, with the price of the fuel. What about the maintenance? What about the weight and range? Are you going to be able to maximize the payload? Are you going to be able to go through an entire duty cycle with the truck? So the residual value comes into play as well. So there's a, a lot of factors that we, we have to work on and, and be sure that all those come together. Because at the end of the day, you know, for all of us to, to, to do good, for all of us to improve the world of sustainability, we have to be sustainable as well. Right, so well said. So let me think a little bit about the public and private sector elements to this, Craig. Um, you've, you've talked about that really everyone, uh, the shipping community is really pushing towards ESG goals. Are you seeing the public sector following? Uh, are you are you hearing things, whether it be the you know, the local, state, or or national? I know we've got Green New Deal and the like, but is is the are the solutions going to come from the private sector, but with the help of the public sector? How do you think that's going to play out? Yes, you know, this cannot be done in a silo. We, we need both the public and the private sector to, to work together here. And we need to be uh, realistic about the technologies and where they are and when they can come about. And also about the, the, the cost of these technologies and how that's going to transition. So we, we've got to work together on this. And, and I, I see that going on in certain areas in certain states. But there's got to be a, a lot of uh, exploration here. I mean, it's not uh, as simple as what people think. You know, just because uh, you have hydrogen, the most plentiful element, doesn't mean that it's easy to strip it off of water or off of methane. Just because you have electricity going to your building doesn't necessarily mean that you can charge the electric vehicle. So that's where working together with the public and private sector, we can see the, the best places to implement this equipment and, and get some out there operating. That's how we're all going to learn. So yes, there needs to be ways to get this equipment. Uh, incentives and grants um, are gonna have to play a part in this. Just the, the cost is just too much to bear when you see that the available equipment when it is available, which is very limited right now, is running about three times the cost of the, the diesel um, comparable vehicle. So yes, we, we got to work together, public and private. That's interesting. So I want to go back. Um, I've been around the intermodal world a fair amount. I'm really fascinated by the the impact that, that this has had on, on J.B. Hunt and, and, and on our industry. So a lot of um, um, talk each year, a lot that is that is published around the investments that are being made on the infrastructure to allow intermodal to be considered as an alternative to over the road. You know, we we tend to have the thought that well, if I'm you know going a long enough haul or I'm going 
Chicago to LA, but it's true that, and, and I think your opening was consider all the options that are out there. There's a lot more medium haul movements that could be done efficiently enough by intermodal service than there may have been three, five, seven years ago. I'm right on that, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What you've seen with time is that that length of haul that's been targeted for intermodal continues to, to shrink. And, uh, you know, it used to be you're looking for a freight that was truly cross-country. But now the, the question is if the freight takes uh, more than a day to um, – travel, then why in the world isn't it going intermodal? And you may have a good reason, but we all need to look at those again, because with the 50% reduction, I mean, J.B. Hunt uh, alone, we reduced our uh, CO2 emissions last year by 3.4 million metric tons by using intermodal. So that's why we're big fans of uh, saying, let's look there first. And then also, you know, taking this a step further, you know, we're hoping that intermodal could be a great place to put in uh, battery electric vehicles and possibly hydrogen eventually. So you put that in the mix, then it even gets cleaner. Absolutely. So uh, getting to net zero isn't simply about fuel, it's a lot about it and finding the right mode, uh, as you just described. But um how is JB Hunt and what are some of the processes and software, um, you know, like, you know, JB Hunt 360 that you are using now and what do you envision? You know, you've, you've kicked the tires on a lot of software as well. Do you see the technology investment continuing uh, to need to be made in order to, to pay off downstream with efficiencies and reductions in miles and the like? Absolutely. We're very excited about the progress that we've made in 360. And as I mentioned earlier about the, the 4.3 million miles that we eliminated empty miles by using 360 by mixing and matching the loads better. And we're so excited about it that uh, we have formed an alliance with, with Google to co-innovate the, the next generation of supply chain software. So you'll continue to see developments there. Also, internally, you know, we have engineers in each of the business segments uh, dedicated the truckload and intermodal groups that are constantly use, utilizing our proprietary software to uh, eliminate waste and uh, reduce a needless spend and, um, and saving fuel for not running those empty miles by, again, using uh, that, that software to uh, deliver the freight more efficiently. So go through a smidgen of a curveball here, but having read Bill Gates's recent book, and I think that, you know, the somewhat outlandish hopes of trying to get to net zero in a 2030 kind of time frame, but he's saying 2050, you know, our industry as well as anybody. Um, is that 2050 kind of time frame? Do you think that you know, as, and again, as you look at your crystal ball, do you think that that's something out there that we could be to net zero carbon by then? You know, that's uh, an excellent question um, and all the things that have to happen to get there. I have a hope and belief uh, and I, I see that we need to get there. You know, when you see the, the way that technology has advanced, you know, how wind and solar 
picked up a lot more momentum and faster than what people were projecting. And when I look at the dollars that are going into this um, space across the globe, that's, that's what gives me hope and about new technologies. We're going to have to have new technologies. We, we've got to continue to test new, new products and service offerings, and that's where that public and private sector have to work again. And we need to explore all the technologies. You know, you talk about Bill Gates and, you know, he's investing in carbon capture and storage. So we need to look at that because um, there's a lot of smart people out there that believe that the only way we can get to net zero is if we really have a way to carbon capture. So that's one of the technologies. And then, you know, there's a lot of breakthroughs just on the verge with battery technology and um, that could um, make that piece of equipment um, offer more solutions than what people are initially thinking. You know, at, at first blush, people think, uh, well, battery is for the short haul and hydrogen is for longer haul. And really, you've got to dig deeper into that. And that we had a great debate last week that was sponsored by the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas, where I had Hyzon representing the hydrogen fuel cell side and then had uh, Lion Electric representing the, the battery side. And uh, it was great debate. And you could see from both these gentlemen and their companies that there really can be an environment in which they both live and, and coexist. And that's what's going to be uh, interesting to see how that develops and other technologies and then uh, ways to find uh, to be able to pull that cap, that carbon out of there and, and capture it. And, you know, there's a, in, in the book, you, you've read about it, a lot of other industries that need to be looked at, you know, such as the building, the cement industry. And so uh, it, it just didn't in transportation. As we said earlier, we're, we're 30%, but uh, that means there's 70% of other places we need to evaluate. Yeah, the, the, yeah as you described, into building materials, cement, into steel, it really is a, fascinating thing and all of those that we've got to be uh considerate of uh, going forward so as we as i'm going to land the plane here uh, just um as as craig harper is you know well, Hunt being publicly traded but you know what what will be next uh you know you, you guys have done so many remarkable things but what will be next to you know, we look back in five years and say, yeah, that was that was it. That was a, a real turning point. Is 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 it in is it in software? Is it going to be in the trucks or is, is the blend going to be what ends up making the difference in the next five years? I think it is going to, to be a blend, but we, we've got to have new technology with the trucks and to get these get these goods moved. And a big part of that then goes to the creating the most efficient transportation network in North America. And that's our goal at J.B. Hunt. And we want to do that by having the right equipment that, that we own out there offering intermodal solution. But then that software is going to be key in that to be able to show the, to have the transparency and the visibility to see all the loads out there and all the capacity out there and for that to come together and run it in the most efficient way and reduce as much waste as possible. And it's, it's gonna take all that to, to really get where we need to go, but we've got to have new technology and developments and we're gonna do our part to contribute to that. 
Well, that is a perfect place to land this plane. I want to thank Craig Harper, the Chief Sustainability Officer, Executive Vice President, uh, industry guru, industry icon. Craig, you know how much I, I appreciate you doing this and all of our viewers do as well. I, I can't think of a better way to kick off the Net Zero Carbon Summit than to have someone uh, like you and like J.B. Hunt uh, giving support to this. So thanks so much for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. Again, it's always a pleasure uh, visiting with you, and I always learn something. So thank uh, you. Craig Harper, you're the best. I appreciate it. Everybody, enjoy the rest of uh, the Net Zero Carbon Summit virtually. I look forward to seeing everyone in person at uh, F3, uh, the Future of Freight Festival here in Chattanooga in November. If you don't know about that, reach out to Freightways, and we'll be doing a lot of uh, net zero carbon uh, at that time as well. Have a wonderful summit. I appreciate everything. Have a great day.